Howdy folks, today we're going creative because we'll be talking wildlife photography in your backyard with a musical twist right after this. Welcome to Camera Shake, where we bring you the insider scoop on all things photography and videography, giving you a unique opportunity to stay ahead of the curve. We've spent literally hundreds of hours interviewing some of the most renowned photographers of our time giving you access to knowledge and expertise that's not available anywhere else. As always, I'm your host, Kirsten Nutz, and if you enjoy this content, consider lending your support on buymeacoffee.com forward slash camera shake to help us create more exciting episodes for you. Your support really does make a difference. But without further ado, let's give it up for today's special guest, award-winning photographer, jazz musician, and all round one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, all the way from the real Holland, Michigan, Give it up for Mr. Paul Kober. Paul, how are you today? All right. How are you doing today? I'm, it's, I'm it's very good. It's a beautiful good. fall day in the real Holland. <laughs> yeah, fall has landed over here in the UK too. It's uh, you know, it's been it's been surprisingly warm for for this season yes. until until very recently. About a week ago, fall came. Yeah. Uh, well, we've just we've spent um, you know. Uh, a week together in Norway only only recently um we were talking about this just uh, you know just before we went on air um because we spent a week in Norway shooting the northern lights uh, with some viking models in there as well how did you how did you recover from your Norway trip <laughs> i have recovered <laughs> it was i recovered it was it was a great experience it really was you and dave dave williams did an amazing job really was fantastic once in a lifetime right place right time i said i yeah. said that many many times but and the models there's such a difference the authentic you know how authentic they were you know because you can get a model to stand there and scream it would not have been the same you know they were they were they were both great yeah, it was. I thought it was a is a great combination of you know, uh, being in one of the most beautiful landscapes in the world, and then being able to actually put, you know, a, a, an incredible model into the scene. You know, whenever whenever you want to do that, you know, because because they were with us all the time, like the whole for the whole trip, every day, twenty four seven. Yeah, literally. And I, 24/7. I've told everybody, literally, every spot is a photo. Am I right? I mean, Absolutely, just like, yeah. just just driving around, it's like, oh, there's a photo, there's a photo, there's a photo, and I've told Dave I want to go back for three months. I have to work out how, because the fall it was so lush, you know. I mean, everything was so green, and then I want to see all the way to the crazy snow stuff. That's the one thing I miss. I didn't get the snow, the snow shots. Yeah. And of course, uh, the the next uh, the next workshop is going to happen on the uh, at the end of January, the twenty fifth of January to the first of February, yeah. and that's going to be right in the middle, slapping in the middle of the Arctic winter, and it's going to be white, so it's going to be snow galore, um, and it's it's yeah. going to really change the landscape. You're right. When we were there, we had the sort of Arctic tundra look. It was like, you know, it was a rough terrain. It was you know, um, granite rocks. You know, incredible mountains. Like it just looked brutal yeah. actually for for the most part. And like you said, 
it was there was a photo of it. I remember that one time we were we were in the van because we spent a lot of time in the van together. Um, they're traveling a up and down the island chains. Yeah, Dave. Dave um, was so good. We got to go now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> At dinner, guys, be ready in twenty minutes because the northern lights happen. Yeah, okay. You know, and that's like after a whole day of shooting landscapes and you know models in the countryside and stuff. But um, but I remember this one time we were in the van and. And we were just driving along, and I remember t- I turned my head and I said to Dave, "Hey, we better stop here because I think there's a really cool little location right there." Um, and then we all got out, and it was literally you could turn left, awesome shot. You look straight ahead, awesome shot. You turn right, incredible backdrop. You know, we spend yeah. a good, most part of the afternoon just in this, literally in this one spot, creating all these different images, landscape photography, model. Photography, you know, all yeah. sorts of different stuff. Models on location not... with flash. Yeah. You know? Yeah, on location lighting. Yeah. We had all the gear <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Yeah. What was the what was the thing that made you decide to um to go on this workshop in the first place? Um I met Dave the year before and we uh we hit it off and we're chatting that kind of stuff. And he was telling me, um, all about it and it just it just sounded amazing but with with the models that we had they were so good and i told them i told both numerous times the only bad shot are the one because of something that the photographer did you know every flash it was a different pose they were just fantastic and you know, Dave and I, you know, we're talking. He says, you got, you got to see when it's all green, too. So uh, sometime, a year or two, sometime, I go back and go there for for all the snow shots. You know, but like the little, um, the triangle house with the triangle mountain behind, you always, you always see it with snow. And I'm like, he's right. It looks nice without snow. You know, and you have the fog so much you know so much fog back then going over the um you know the mountains that kind of there's when when i'm going through my picks 90 percent of them are picks it's just like how do i narrow it down i have 30 amazing shots of one location and and i i told you i told dave the problem is there's too many good shots which Really, is it normally a problem? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I want to do an Adobe Spark page and I'm going to print some stuff out, but which one? Yeah. And I told, I was telling you guys, and Dave said, that's a great problem to have. And it is a great problem to have. Yeah. It's, you know, I, find, I feel which, the same. Which I, one? Yeah. yeah. I have exactly the same problem. It's, um, you know, it was the, the very first night. Because uh, we arrived a little bit before the rest of the gang. And Correct. The very first night we went out, um, and, and the aurora was really incredible. It was just, you know, the Northern Lights were going crazy. I'll, um, I'll always remember that, you know, when Dave's going to see that, and we're like, oh, maybe. And then, like, two or three minutes later, and we're, we're working on... Wait, wait. Sorry. <laughs> the cats. Um uh, we're, we're working on the camera settings, and this one time Dave just says, look up. Just look up. And we're like, wow. Because you get so focused on 
it's 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 tough. You know, it's tough photographing the the Northern Lights. Wasn't that? I mean, that really did surprise me. Actually, um, I have to say, I wasn't really quite prepared for that because you know I sort of thought, well, you know, I've shot a lot of concerts. You know, I spent ten years or something shooting concerts and whatnot. And I sort of thought, you know, yeah, low light photography, I've got that down, you know, no, no big deal sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but I, I have to say, and I've probably said this before in this book, I have to say, like, for me personally, shooting the Northern Lights was probably the single most difficult thing in photography that I've ever done. You know, for a number of reasons. One, it's pitch black. Like, if anybody ever try and focus in the pitch black, that's hard. And, you know, that very first night, I remember, you know, coming back home and like loading, you know, uploading my, my photos on a, on a computer and looking at the shots and thinking, damn, like 85% or something got out of focus. Like, what's going on, you know? So that was a... I told you're Dave... Operating, yeah. Well, I, I told Dave, I have the best out-of-focus shots I've ever taken. Because, you know, I had, I had a new lens that I never focused to infinity before. Because, you know, you can see. The old Canon, it stopped at infinity. And then you'd backtrack a little bit. This kept yeah. spinning. So it's like, where is infinity? I have amazing shots. When you look at them this big, they're, they look great. <laughs> you yeah. know, but you blow up, it's like, oh. And Dave was so helpful because the shots that are in focus are the ones he did. Because how do you focus <laughs> on... How do you focus on black? That's yeah, why. Exactly. It's a, I want another shot at the Northern Lights. You know, and it's 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 tough. It's tough. The photography I do is time consuming, a lot of sitting, but this was it was the hardest, the most challenging stuff. Yeah, it was. It was. It really you know, was challenging, and I think you know. I thought to myself, I love the experience. And this is, you know, I, I'm saying this, like, you know, with with the, the utmost of humbleness. Um, you know, to me, I loved it because it. I almost felt like a beginner again, you know, when it, when it comes to- I did. When it comes to photography. And I actually loved that feeling. I really, really felt like I learned a lot, you know, and- you know, you can give me you can give me a model and, and some lights and I can make something happen like with my eyes shut. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. I know how to do that. But yeah. photographing the Northern Lights, I you know, I really felt like I, I really almost felt like a kid again. You know, it's like way oh, out of your comfort zone. Sounds, way oh, out of way, comfort zone. Way out. It was such a challenge. Because I was and, you know, Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I kind of feel that it, as a photographer, you know, no matter what it is that you do, whether you're a portrait photographer or a landscape photographer or or whatever, or a sports photographer or something, you know, it's animal and instruments. Animals and instruments, which we're going to talk about <laughs> in a second, of course. You know, no matter what it is, you know, it's so valuable to sometimes just to to really do something that's so far out of your comfort zone, um, and all it can do is really it can teach you a lot of things, and it, it ultimately it'll just make you a better photographer. Like, yes, certainly made correct. me a better photographer. And, you know, and that's, that's only we're talking about the photographic challenges. There were physical challenges, you know, the fact that it was, sometimes it was cold, sometimes it was windy. You know, um, you get to deal with all those sort of things. The weather, that was a challenge sometimes, you know, because, um, yeah. and, and, and just simply, especially that first night, I mean, 
there were so many occasions where I just forgot to press the shutter button because I was just looking up and all this stuff was happening. I was like, uh, what is going on? Uh, you know, the next morning, this is funny actually, when we, when we came back from that night of shooting, the next morning, I get in the shower and I'm like, oh man, I think, I think I must have like pulled a muscle or something. Because I literally spent all night just looking up like this. And like the next morning, like, yeah. well, my neck yeah, was killing me. It was incredible. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a really good idea to just challenge yourself. Um, so when, and when you, you joined well, the... Well, so you did that too with me because we worked on the low key portraits, which I wanted to do. So I had two things that took me out of my comfort zone. On, with my birds, they use flash, but it's way different but than, than the low-key stuff. So I learned I learned a lot. And I'm looking, I look at the pictures, and because we, we spent a lot of time talking about it, which they do on the workshops. You get lots of one-on-one attention. And so so I did we did that. And I remember a lot of times, you know, it's just you and I and Ruth, you know, and going back and forth and now I look at them and I know you know we all know it's a matter of inches sometimes I don't even think it's an inch that that makes that makes a difference and that to me was amazing you know so now I'm working on the low-key portraits which I want to I want to start doing next so thank you but that was it was a great I learned two things I was not comfortable with at all and now i feel like i can be dropped somewhere and do them both yeah no exactly so that and that also, was amazing I think that was you know overall i think that's that was sort of you know one of the um one of the most amazing things about this this uh this workshop is really that it's, it's all about photography all all day long you know and although you know although we're having a lot of fun but actually you know, we spent so much time in the van, even in the van together. So we, you know, of course, we did master classes and we we went on countless locations to shoot. But actually, it's just you know, sometimes you learn a lot just from a conversation that you have in the in the van whilst we're driving to the next location or something like that. You know, it's, well, it's, I was it's just really going to say more. that just in the van was master classes because we all specialized in different things, and you had Bill there, you know, but it just like. Everybody has their own expertise. And then talking to the models, because how many times do you get to talk to a model and hear their their perspective of what's going on and what they want, what they like, you know? And um, I remember in the cabin, Bill was talking to Bob, you know, about the shot and that kind of stuff. And he says, you can spend all your time setting it up. So once the model gets there, you're not looking at it, you know. You you know it's it's going to be perfect, you know. Everything's set up perfect. And he and he talked to you know the model, Mara, I think Mar- Maria, yeah, Maria. I never say it right. The um, you know what do you, what do you think about when somebody takes a picture and looks? She doesn't like it because it messes up their flow. Yeah, because every time there's a flash, they're moving to a next pulse you know so he's like make it doesn't matter if it takes an hour two hours to set it out and you have somebody set up, you know somebody just sit in there to get the light right but then when the model comes snap 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 
take like 30, 40, 50, and then just do a real quick look. Yeah, it's still good. Take another 30, 40, 50. You know, so it was, it was, I mean, there's so much knowledge going on, but every place, I mean, like even the van, everybody's giving their inputs and everybody's listening and everybody's talking. It, it was, and I can't believe, and you know, a lot of times we had to drive two, you know, two hours. Also, we're here, we're like, it was, you know, the the van. We spent a lot of time in the van, but it didn't feel like that. No, exactly. That was the thing. Yeah, it really didn't feel like, you know. Like... Maybe to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He was singing. He was singing most of the time. Well, that's uh, that's true. He's quite the vocalist. You know. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, there was the thing was, uh, the thing that really surprised me, I remember landing, you know, um, uh, at the airport and I just just flying in. You look out the window and you go, wow, this is breathtaking, like the landscape and the mountains and the sea and you know, all that. And you, you get out of the plane, you look around and you go, this is nuts. And then we, you know, we drove to um, Sonoya and you look out the car window and you think, this is incredible. And about a week later, you drive around and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's another beautiful location. And there, uh, yeah. Oh, another mountain. Yeah, okay. yeah, saw that, saw that, saw <laughs> that. You know, yeah. what's, what's where it is, and I was talking to Dave, he posted a picture and uh, I said, where was this? And he said, we were there. And I'm like, because you saw so many spots and I'm looking, I'm like, oh, I do have shots there, you know? But, and then they look different. Um, remember, I think it was the first night, the two of us with the North lights in that little, it's not a barn, but you know, a little. The hut, yeah, like a little hut. The hut, there you go. The little hut. Where we're there in the daylight, I didn't even know it was the same thing. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Like, yeah, I had the same. Because it, it looks, the same it looks, it's so dark, you can't see anything that's there. You don't know what's there. And he's like, oh no, we're here at nighttime. You know, even even the building with the graffiti on it. Oh yeah. You know, we drove that by that at the daytime and that was different. It's just like, oh. Yeah, you I mean, know? and that's just the thing. I mean, it's, you know, the landscape there is so beautiful. And of course, I always say, because of the way that the light falls there, you can shoot the same the same landscape in so, diff in so many different ways, depending on what time of day you're there, what time of the year you're there. You know, um, the, the, January, uh, the January, February workshop is going to be somewhat a, a different experience because the whole landscape is going to be it's going to look different. It's going to be covered in snow. Um, I would love to go to that. I can't, but I would love just to see the exact same place at winter. Yeah. You know, but I will get there again and it will, it will be, it'll be a winter stuff, but yeah, I can't this January. But you, I mean, you're used to, obviously you're used to winter and wintry temperature of, in Michigan, Holland, in the real Michigan, Holland. I'm sure, yes, in the real Holland. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it gets cold where you live. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I do, I do a lot of stuff, you know, lighthouses in the winter, you know, where I, I'm out there for several, several hours. It's below freezing, the wind's hitting in your in your face, which is a whole nother. You know, every time you photograph, you're learning stuff. You know. And shooting, shooting lighthouses in the winter because you want all the, 
the ice frozen and moving, you know, the movement, that kind of stuff with the ice. But a, there's things you have to learn. But you're literally standing still for hours yeah. in the freezing, you know. And I for the, for that, I use a trigger, you know. At home, I do not. But for there, I'm, I'm using the trigger and just because it's so cold. And then the the photograph gloves are great, except you have to pick your finger up. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. two minutes out there in that weather, it's ready to fall off. So you have you have the trigger there. But it's it gets it get cold. I love I love winter. I don't do well in heat. I don't like heat. You know, I could never move down south. I'd move north if I moved anywhere. I never north thought of the Arctic I'd find Circle. Myself. Yeah, you know, I never thought I'd find myself um, up in the Arctic. I've always, I've always been more like, oh yeah, I'll give me a beach. I'm good at the beach, <laughs> no, no problem. Yeah, but, uh, and but yeah, I've learned to love it. Wait, north of the Arctic yeah. Circle. That's it. Exactly. We were even, you know, we were even further north than that. We were like sixty-eight. We degrees. were way, way up there. Yeah, yeah we're wait. I think we were there. Yeah, there, like that's that. the Arctic Circle there. You know, so we were, you know, D Dave one time said, you know, you know what's north of us? What? The North Pole. I'm like, <laughs> I remember that. So we, we were at the beach and he said, he said to yeah. me like, look out to see if you were to take a boat and you'd like, you'd sail out in a straight line. Do you know the next bit of land you'd, you'd hit? I'd be like, no. I said, it's the North Pole. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Like, okay, we're far up north. It's, it's crazy <laughs> when you think about that. I mean, yeah. once again, like how far north we are of the Arctic Circle. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons, of course, why the Northern Lights are so unique in the Lofoten Islands. I mean, they're, they're, as, we've, as we've learned through the, uh, uh, the Aurora Mechanics Masterclass that we did, um, but yeah. it's... You know, it's it's a unique location. You can see the Northern Lights in in many places. You know, you can see them in Iceland. You can see them in Northern Canada. But if you if you imagine the most the northernmost tip of Iceland, literally just touches the Northern Circle, and the Lofoten Islands are like two hundred kilometers north. further north from that. So you're you're way further north than even the most the, the northernmost tip of Iceland, and that puts you in into the um, into the Aurora Oval. Which basically means that the northern lights are now everywhere, not only in the northern sky, but all around you. North, all around, south, you're surrounded. West. You're just surrounded. Yeah, wasn't that weird? You could look anywhere, and you see that. And they they bounce around as well. So you you look one way, and that's the northern lights. You set up your camera. By the time you've got your camera set up, you look up, and they're gone, <laughs> and they're just right behind you. So it felt like we were chasing them all the time. They're incredibly fast. That's the the other thing I learned. I never really realized that. That they actually they are move dancing, that fast. yeah, literally dancing. They're, and I'm, I've, I've sent the videos to people, and they all think it's you know sped up. I'm like, no, yeah, that's they, yeah, that's how it is. I know it's crazy. You know, you know, a few seconds later, it's gone, and it's somewhere else. It was, a, it was a challenge. It was an amazing, amazing experience. And of course, I just mentioned it again. Actually, there's a there's a little announcement that we've made in last week's episode. Um, in fact, we were talking about Raw, um, the the model. Uh, he was the guest on last week's episode. So, if you're interested in 
uh, when listening to uh, to his side of the story. And maybe you want to learn well, a little bit about later on this week. What you know, if you want to learn a little bit about what it's like to uh, to be a model, especially a historical model, um, then you know have a have a listen to uh, to last week's episode of the Camera Shake podcast. Yeah. Very interesting conversation. But here's the thing. So um, we've and I think we've announced it. I think we've mentioned it last week. But um, obviously, there's another workshop coming on the 25th of January, 25th of January till the 1st of February. But um, Adobe have just thrown in a super special offer because the first 10 people um, to book on to our workshop in the Lofoten Islands will get a whole year's free subscription to the entire Adobe Creative Cloud. So that's worth... That's amazing. Good, that's, you know, if you think about it, that's worth about $700 because that's, I think that's roughly yeah. about how much it would cost for a uh, annual subscription. So, you know, if that's you're interested, amazing. then, you know, get on it. Um, hop over to idavewilliams.com forward slash training. That's it. idavewilliams.com forward slash training. Um, you know, and if you're, uh, if you're thinking about, you know, getting on the work, uh, on this workshop, then now's the time and uh, you'll get a whole year's subscription to Adobe's Creative Cloud for And free. you have to get there before it Fantastic. sells out because there yeah. is a limited amount of people in vans. And it's <laughs> yes. It is it is once in a lifetime. I could not say that I tell everybody it's just once a lifetime. You've never I don't care where you've been, you've never seen and I've been all over, you know, and it's just I mean, Australia, China, all over. I've never seen anything like this. It's just I, I was I was mind boggled many times. Oh, many times, yeah, it truly is a unique experience. And so remember, idfwilliams.com forward slash training. Um, just check that out. Uh, it's it's an incredible opportunity. Hey, let me just jump in real quick to tell you about the amazing sponsor of this episode, Platypod. Platypod offers innovative camera support systems designed to unleash your creativity. With their stable, versatile, and portable solutions, you can capture stunning shots like never before. And I'm not just saying that. As the host of the Camera Shake podcast, I can personally vouch for Platypod's incredible products. They've become an integral part of the show. In fact, I'm surrounded by various Platypod products holding up lights, cameras, microphones, and so on. It's really helped to transform the way I make the show and the way I shoot at home in the studio and on location. But don't just take my word for it. Explore Platypod's website at www.platypod.com to discover their range of products, including the Platypod Extreme, Platyball Tripod Heads, and the brand new handle, of course. Make sure to follow Platypod on Instagram and Facebook at Platypod Tripods for exclusive updates, tips, and giveaways. By choosing Platypod, you're not only investing in your photography, but you're also supporting the Camera Shake Photography Podcast. Thanks again to Platypod, our amazing sponsor. Platypod, where innovation never sleeps. What I want to talk to you today is your incredible photography, because that's also something that, that's boggled my mind. Yeah. Um, and I'll explain it. Well, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, then I'll be flying in some images uh, in a second. But uh, if you are one of those people listening to the audio version of this podcast, then let me just explain um, what Paul Colbert does really, really well. So your specialism, in a sense, is you photograph wildlife and instruments together, musical instruments, because that's part of your background. Um, Correct. But it's not just animals and musical instruments together. These animals, and this could be anything, squirrels, deer, whatever, birds, but it looks like they're literally playing those instruments. 
That's nuts. So tell me, first of all, how you came up with, with this idea. And then we're going to get a little bit into how difficult it, it actually is to realize those images. But what, what gave you the original idea? Um, well, I'm a, I'm a musician, jazz musician, saxophonist. And I prepare, like most musicians, you have a day gig. And I prepare band instruments for a living. And one time... I was outside and, you know, as a repair person, you have extra parts and that kind of stuff. And I remember I, I had this old Barry saxophone and I have it, the new house too, it's out there. And I just put it up there and a squirrel went running around it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. So put a little, little food on it and then the birds went to him like, oh. And back then, I'm like, oh, let's take a picture or two just see what it's like. And I had the old Rebel, you know, Canon Rebel, I think the yeah. XT, with the kit lens, all that, all that stuff. And um, so I was doing that. I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. And then um, one thing led to another. And then we had a yard full of instruments. Now we have a front yard and a backyard full of instruments. And people come over and they're like. Everybody, they like come to the yard to see it, see it all. And then, um, you know, just like everything else, you, you want to get better, right? So I'm like, okay, the, um, you know, the, I, then I got the uh, Canon 5D Mark II, you know, better, faster lens or camera. And then got a, got a better lens. And, um, it wasn't, then I wasn't satisfied with them just being there. They needed to be interacting with the instrument. Because at first, oh, it's, it landed on, you know, the bass clarinet or whatever. Then that wasn't enough. I wanted them actually, like they're playing it or interacting with the instrument. And all the squirrels I have, they're actually like they're playing the instruments. The birds, I try and get them like they're flying in with their wings spread or on the piccolo, I have this one piccolo where the the goldfinch's head is down, like it's listening if it's in tune or not, that kind of thing. So they're all, now they have to be interacting. And then um, I had a shoot-through umbrella to block the sun for it. And then I'm like, oh, I need something to birthday. So I, Obviously, so then I got the flash up, got the flash going. Um, and when I use flash, you know, it's like a model, but it just it just kisses it. So it's to the front and to the side because I don't want it to be too much. And there's a learning curve, as you know, with flash. And um, so I know, plus if it's too close, the birds don't go to it. So I, you know... It's a, it's a balancing thing, but you, you don't want it to look like a flash. So I moved it farther in front. So it so it's it just barely touches, and then that brings out the feather details. So the large majority of my birds have flash. The mammals do not because it does weird things to the fur. Um, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of waiting. Like, for example, wait, wrong hand. That one there. 
That was about 90, 90 hours of sitting outside in the snow. Two, took wow. two winters to get that. Because, and I have thousands of shots that are not right. And then you get the one and you know this is it. And he's dead center. He's looking straight, dead center. The, both ears are up because sometimes it's twisted and that kind of stuff. Um, the, I had the one with the squirrel, you know, singing at the microphone. That was probably about 90 hours. Yeah. That's the incredible bugle, Yeah. I, I love it. The, uh, the one where the squirrel's playing the bugle and has the flag. So I had to be out there with, when the flag was moving. So there had to be wind and then the squirrel had to be there at the, you know, at the right time. And then, uh, the right distance to the mouthpiece is just, it's a lot of time. The right time, right place. Maybe maybe Dave Williams should have a word with us squirrels. He, he, he should. He should. You know, and I've talked to like um, people that shoot, you know, pets and also, you know, baby photography, that kind of stuff. And most time, you know, you're, you're shooting, you're shooting people with their dogs and, you know, sit. And they're going to sit and then, you know, you throw them a bone and they smile, that kind of stuff. Or babies, you lay in there and you just take a picture. But this is, as I tell people, this is wildlife. They they don't listen. So they're all they're all encouraged, food encouraged. I mean, that's how I get them to the the location. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is actually how do you? So when you let's say you're putting an instrument out there, and and I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm sort of guessing you've got multiple instruments set up. Um, at the same time, or or is it just one one at a time? Yeah, I have. Oh God, no! I have. There's probably like forty to fifty instruments anytime. Oh wow! But I focus. <laughs> I focus on one instrument at a time. I I get the, I get the instrument. I figure out what I want on it. Bird, squirrel. I have ducks playing the piano. Um, you know the deer, whatever I want, and then. You have to, these are things you have to consider. The sun, okay. um, because the sun has to be at the right location. Um, I also have a, sh a seven foot shoot through umbrella that I put between it. Uh, most of the time there's all the food out there, but then when I'm gonna go do a, a shot, there the other food's not as replenished as much. <laughs> so they're gonna focus. And I know what, like, blue jays eat different things than cardinals, which eat different things from finches, which eat different things from woodpeckers. So I have to figure out what I want. They all come specific times of the day because it's it's a zoo out there. There's animals all day and night, and they come at specific times. They they somehow work it out. And I, like I said, I know where the light is going to be coming from. So I position the instrument so the light's going to be hitting it right, and then you always have to consider the background because, you know, the background makes or breaks a photo, breaks a lot yeah. of photos. So um, you have you have that, and um, it's a lot, lot of planning, just a lot of planning. And I've learned so much about animals, and I've there was... Um, a bird food store, wild bird food store, you know, in Illinois. And I talk to them all the time because 
I found stuff, you know, I, I need to know how to track them. So I found stuff out, um, like winter, they need food with more fat in it. Right. You know, so you put out different food and that kind of stuff. And it's every, every day, every day I have to replenish bird feeders, put stuff out for, um, for the deer. Cause if they stop coming, they stop coming. So do you, you know? So do you have multiple cameras set up at any one time, or just the one camera? You get to think like, okay, I you know I want to I don't know uh, photograph a, a woodpecker with this bassoon or something. I say for argument's sake, and then okay. th they, then you get to pick out the right type of food for a woodpecker. Uh, then Correct. you get to think like a, then you get to think I guess what times are the most likely times that woodpeckers are feeding, sort of a thing. And then attract Correct. them to that location, and then you got to make sure that you're there at the literally at the right time when everything's in the right place, the sun, and everything. And then you've got to you've got to literally just sit tight and wait, wait for for you, it to happen. Well, you have to be you have to be patient. Actually, um, Steve on behind the shot shot asked me, "What's the one thing I would give you know information for you know wildlife?" I says, "Patience." You know, and I have a lot of shots, but you know, and you know, when you get these shot, you know it. It's just like, there it is. Yeah. And I mean, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks for per shot. And I, I can't, you know, I have a job, so I can't sit out there all the time. You know, it's just like hours, just hours behind hours for every shot. You know, so are you, when, when you're taking those shots, are you indoors or are you actually outside? Are you I'm behind outside. glass, let's say? You're outside, right. Okay. No, I'm, I'm outside because I don't want, you know, obviously any reflection or anything like that. So I, I sit outside in the winter. Like I said, I don't mind the cold. You know, you, you bundle up and you just sit out there and wait. So are you in a hide or are you like out of the open? I'm just, I'm just wondering because- uh, No, I'm, I'm, I'm open. That's why I have right. to be there and they get, they get used to me being there. But right. if I yeah, move, they're going to, they, they fly away. So I have to be, and this is tricky. People don't even think about. There's things you find out that nobody even thinks about. I don't know if you know this, the earth spins around the sun. <laughs> so I set up my shoot through umbrella well, 15 minutes later, it's moved. Right. So what I could be shooting in the shade is now in the sun. You know? So I I take the rotate the ro I take the rotation in mine and it'll be at the edge and then it'll be over here. And then I have to move it. And every time you move it, they go running away. You got like 15, 20 minutes before before you have to move it. And that's why you have to know when they come. And I, I go out there and move it very quietly and gingerly, and they still fly away. If you make noise, they'll go. And they just, they fly away, but they don't disappear. And then a couple minutes later, they come back. Yeah. And, but I'm, I'm there sitting, and they're used, they're used to me. I'm just like, to them, I'm just a yard ornament or something like that. And I sit there with my, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I got my, you know, finger on the camera. You know, it's on the tripod, so I just sit there, and then it's just like. And the R six is amazing. I know you're a night kind of person, but 
20 frames a second in silent mode, patience. What's the most difficult animal that you've shot? Like the most difficult to uh, to capture, basically. Um, I'm going to say the deer. Because deer sit there all day and night, right? And they don't move much, which is great. But the, to get the deer in the right place, looking the right, it's the interaction. Like I said, I, I could go up right now and get a bunch of different animal shots. But like the timpani, I want them looking dead center. Um, squirrels, they're they're fast. They are, and you know, I try to shoot 1,500, 2,000, you know, 2,000 of a second because the squirrels, you know, they're so small that if they go, you know, wait, if they're going like this, you know, they're so small that it's it's way faster than than when we do it. So you have to be fifteen hundred to two thousands for it to be crystal clean. Otherwise, you get a little blur, you know. And the um, the birds, it's waiting, and it's waiting, and you just you just look through thousands of shots, you know. Just nope, 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 nope. And a lot of times. You'll spend the whole day, and you you know if you got it or not, you know. So you just delete that whole day, you know. Yeah. Don't even why even bother uploading it. And there's a lot of days, a lot of days, probably 70 percent of them. You're sitting there, you're not even pressing the trigger because there's nothing worth it. Like I said, and it's not a matter of them just being on it. You know, it has to be, you know, interacting. Like the um, the blue jays, I have a couple with the trumpet and the English horn with them flying in, and their and their wings are spread, you know. So you can't be looking through the camera. So you you're there. Keep on doing it the wrong. So people can see. So you're you're there, and then I'm looking, and they all have their own calls and that kind of stuff. So I'm looking for movement up high, and as soon as they start flying, you know, towards there, you know. I'm holding the trigger. They may not land on it, but the one time you don't hold the trigger, they're going to land on it. Yeah. So there'll, there'll be hundreds of them, you know, flying right by it, but not landing on it. So it's a, it's a, it's a patience. It's patience. They all, they all have their own, own issues. You know, those little birds, I'm floored how fast they are. You know, all right, so my hardest one, I just dawned on me was the hummingbird. I only got one shot of a hummingbird because they're not consistent. And so I wanted the hummingbird feeding, you know, feeding out of the, the saxo neck. And I just sat there for hours because they'll come regularly and then they won't come for a couple of days. And you're just sitting out there. Oh, no hummingbird today. Yeah, it's it. It just sounds like it sounds an incredible thing um, to to muster up that that, that degree of of, uh, of patience you know, to get Crazy, those shots. craziness just, they call it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You know, because um, I know that like you know I've seen many a camera club like you know a photo club competition where there's like you know there's like some kind of bird on a stick or there's like usually I don't know if you've got this in states as well, but it's a very common type of image over here in the UK in a, in a camera club setting. 
it's like a little field mouse. Field mouse on a branch or a field mouse climbing up some flower or something. And of course, you know, yeah, you always, I mean, you, you see those images initially and you kind of go like, oh, wow, like what, what a coincidence, you know, to, to find a field mouse climbing yeah. a flower until you realize, no, these are all studio shots. They're completely staged. That's, it's a thing. It's like yeah. an event, you know, like you go to like a, I don't know what they call it, bird on a stick or a field mouse on a flower event or something. But there's obviously yeah. somebody's got field mice in captivity and a bunch of flowers, like a set. And then you go and you, you photograph yeah. those. Um, but of course, in your case, it's it's just, I mean, it's just incredible to uh, to create that literally in the wild. I'm having, I have a couple more images, a couple more, because I have a bunch of birds, that kind of stuff. Now I'm working with dogs. And um, so I'm trying to get dogs playing and then butterflies. Butterflies on instruments. Which, which ones are easier be to the train, channels. dogs or butterflies? That's what I know. <laughs> well, I have I have found out um, trade secrets, which I won't say on here, about um, how they get the butterflies. And you probably know. Oh, butterflies I don't know. Oh, how they get the butterflies in place and all that kind of stuff. Because I'm always like, how do they do that? You know, the amazing ones. Yeah. And um, I can't, I'll tell you off screen. I'll tell you one thing. It's, it's so funny. I had a conversation with uh, with Don Komrechko was on the show. And we were talking about macro photography, and when uh, he's got these amazing um, images of insects he's, and stuff like that, you know, and you go like, "Yeah, how the heck do you like? How do you photograph that fly or whatever it might be? You know, how do you get that thing to to stand still so you can get a super mega close up macro shot of of its eye?" And, he, and then I just ask him like, "Are they are they dead?" And he goes like, well, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, see, well, okay, well, that makes sense. All right. The butterflies, the butterflies will not be dead. What they what they do is um, they're frozen. Oh, that's the other thing. Yes, he did say that. That's right. I remember. Yeah. So they're frozen. You put them. You put them. You put them up. No, I haven't. This stuff I have to work out. How do I get a frozen butterfly? To sit on something, mm. <laughs> you know, because you can't, oh, man. you can't glue it or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if it's frozen, I'm assuming it's going to fall over. So yeah. it's going to be timing where they're just starting, and you want the wings to just be. Because my my dream shot would be, let's just say, on a bassoon vocal, and um, the wings have a little bit of motion. But the eyes are crystal sharp, you know. So it's going to be a lot of stage, a lot of staging. I was gonna. My goal was to do it this summer. I did not get to that. But that's. I'm. I'm hoping to do that next next year. And then they'll, you know, fly for, fly free. Yeah. You know. Do you have raccoons where you live? We do. We do. The um. There are some animals that are um, would not be popular pictures. <laughs> <laughs> raccoons would <laughs> raccoons would be would be some of them. All right, um, okay. Yeah, I love raccoons. We I have, have to say my favorite animal. Oh, are they? I like them. They are so smart. I know. It's you know. I this I, I keep saying this to my wife. Unfortunately, it's probably uh, I'm pretty sure it's illegal over here in the UK, but. 
But, you know, if I had a choice, if I had a choice, I'd have a pet raccoon. Like, you know, they have opposable thumbs. Come on. <laughs> you, know, you know what I want? I want? I would love to, and he can't do it, and I shouldn't say this, but I'd love to have a monkey. Yeah. I mean, how fun would it be having a monkey? And then I can get him to play anything. Yeah. But we have... We have ducks that come here. We have turkeys. Um, I have a couple shots of turkeys. Nothing that, you know, nothing that's like makes you go, wow. They all have to go, wow. And it's like, it's like, there's, this is what got me thinking about this a long time ago when I got into this. Um, There's billions of amazing Cardinal pictures and Robin pictures and Blue Jay pictures. And like you said, they're on a stick. You know, it's like, oh yeah, it's another amazing bird on a stick. But who who has them on? You know, a banjo. Exactly. You know that that kind of stuff. So it it's just I could shoot just birds, but to me that's that's, and this will upset people because they're doing it. But to me, it's not as exciting. You know, it's not as it's not as creative. Exactly. Yeah. This is. I, I was going to come to that, um, because, you know, it's, I think it doesn't really matter what type of photography you're into, whether it's landscape photography or whether it's you know, um, photographing animals or whatever it may be. But it's it's you know the creative aspect. I think that's an important. One. Of course, at the in the beginning, but you know when we first get into um, a particular type of photography, of course, you know we learn by, you know by by copying, studying, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, but studying and but copying just other, like, other, just like other music, forms. just exactly just like music. You know, we learn on the guitar. You know, we learn by by copying other other guitarists' guitar solos, for example. You know, we do that for some time. And I, the way I always describe it is, you know, uh, like when I was a kid, you know, I, I used to listen to lots of different guitarists. I used to learn guitar solos or bits of guitar solos, and you know, there'd be a Hendrix solo that I'd love, and I'd learn a bit of that. And there'd be a Van Halen solo that I love, and I learn a little bit of that. And then there'd be, you know, a George Benson solo, and I learn a bit of that. And then there'd be a Joe Pass thing that I learn a bit of that, and whatever. And um, you know, and, and years later, you throw all of these different musical elements into a pot. You know, you stir it, and years later, what what you get out is is you. And that's why yeah, people sound different. You know, if you if you change the ingredients, the end result is going to be slightly different. So there's going to be a point where hopefully I sound like me, you know, Kirsten sounds like Kirsten. And then when you, when you hear somebody else play, they sound different because they've had different ingredients that they threw into the pot, you know, as they were growing up and everything. And you could, you could listen to the same people. I mean, if you look at any jazz musician, but we'll talk about saxophonist. I mean, most of them listen to the same players. Yeah. But yeah, we all, we all play different. You know, it's because your life experiences go in into it as yeah, well. And your yeah, and your sound. I'm convinced um with wind instruments, not you know, not acoustic instruments, you know, guitar piano, that kind of stuff. But with wind instruments, a lot of your sound is internal. Cause you switch mouthpieces and that kind of stuff. It's different, but it's still your sound, your oral, oral cavity and everything. It all affects it. You know, so yeah. you could have two people that 
grew up and listened to the exact same stuff and they'll sound completely different. It's no different than photography. Yeah, exactly I look same. back at stuff I did a couple of years ago, I'm like, oh, terrible. And then I yeah. contemplate, maybe I should go back and, you know, fix some stuff because Photoshop is amazing now and Lightroom, all the stuff that 10 years ago you didn't have, five years ago you didn't have. And I look at this stuff and I think, you know, I should go back and do something with that. You know, funny enough, I very rarely do that. And the, the reason why I very rarely do that is because um, because I have a I have a tendency to to look forward. Um, so, I mean, sometimes I come across, like, especially on Facebook. You know, Facebook does this all, all the time, like, on this day oh, in yeah, 2012. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you, you look at a, the, <laughs> the thing that you posted then, you know, it's, you know, for, I mean, for, for us as photographers, of course, we, we post stuff on Facebook and Instagram all the time, you know, because it's, it's a visual, yeah. to, to an extent, it's a visual medium. And so, you know, so these pictures come and you go like, oh, man, I remember shooting this, but wow, that's terrible now. But I very rarely go back because I always think, I'm always thinking about the next thing that I'm going to do. You know, what's the next thing going to be? And then, and then it's, to me, it's always been the, like the creation process of that. That's the fun part. And then once I've done that, I sort of move on to the, you know, to the next thing. Um, it's, I, I completely agree because now, you know, I'm thinking like, like we talked about the low key photography. So that's my, I'm like thinking about this and it's just, how can I, how can I be creative to it? Because now I'll make it, make this a, a jazz conversation. You know, you take the picture, that's nice. A good picture is a good picture, but what can I do with that? As you know, cause I, I send you some of the things I took from Norway. Uh-huh. Does it, ne- did it necessarily look like that when I took picture? No. No. But who cares? You know, it's like you can yeah. listen to a hundred solos of let's just say Satin Doubt, anything. They're all they're all different. And I like being creative. Take taking the picture is nice, but I, every picture I always take, it's like, what can I do with it now? And that's why I think about way back when all the stuff I could do these pictures now. You know, because that's, I enjoy the creative aspect of everything. You know, playing, yeah. photography. And this you is, know. you know, I, you like this, you like this one because, so in, often when I want to do uh, talks, for instance, at uh, camera clubs or something, you know, and I, I explain, oh, I talk about my approach to um, creating in camera and then post-production or editing, right? And I always explain it this way. And sometimes I actually even have a guitar and an amp with me. This is how I explain it. You know, I always explain it like this. Imagine an electric guitar. Like an electric guitar on its own hardly makes any sound at all. It sounds, it's very quiet. It sounds very tinny. It doesn't really even sound like a guitar. It sounds twangy. Yeah. You know, you, you can't really hear it. It's it's very, it's great when you're practicing because the neighbors are not going to get annoyed or anything. But an electric <laughs> guitar on its own really doesn't make hardly any sound. And it doesn't really sound like what we would imagine an electric guitar to sound like, like what we're used to listening to electric guitars on recordings and so on. Yeah. An amplifier on its own also doesn't make any sound at all. It's just an inanimate box with a speaker in it, essentially. You know, so on its own, an amp is worthless. It's not, it's not musical in, in that sense. It doesn't actually produce any sound. But when you put the two together and you plug the guitar into the amp, 
what you all of a sudden get is beautiful music and incredible sound. And I serve hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, if you could play, yeah, that's it. I mean, if you can, if you don't play, but you know, that's where you get the sound. And so I look at the shooting part and the editing part in the same way. Like the shooting parts, like the electric guitar, and the editing parts, like the amplifier. You know, when you put oh, the two like together, that. yeah, you get, you know, you get, you get the the beautiful end result. And just like with an electric guitar, when you think, I mean, we we sort of deep diving into guitarist land for a second. But if you're playing a Fender Stratocaster and you want to get a particular sound, you're already thinking, what kind of amp am I going to put this in? If I want to sound like Hendrix, I need to put it through a Marshall head in a 4x12 speaker cabinet. I know that because that's the sound I want. But if I want to sound yeah. like somebody else, maybe I want to use a Vox amplifier or a Fender, you know, or whatever. Uh, likewise, if it's a different guitar, if it's a Gibson Les Paul, for example, you know, I want to, there's so many different examples and so many different combinations. Oh, yeah. That will give you different different results, and so in photography, it's it's really the same thing, you know. It's you, you can you can sort of go down the line and say like I want to, you know, I want to create in camera, and that's that's my final that's my final shot. And often often that's followed because that's how it used to be done. And I always think like, well, but that's not how it used to be done because you used to shoot a film, then it used to go in a dark room, and then you used to fuff around with stuff Correct. in the dark room. So like that's it's never that was never. How, uh, it was well, done well, the, ever. The people, and I've, I don't think about this. There, there are a lot of people that it should be a hundred percent perfect in camera. You know, and I think that's so limited because I completely this limited, is yeah. I picture the camera is practice. You know, you're you're doing what you have to, blah 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 blah, and then the Photoshop, Lightroom stuff. That's like soloing. Let's exactly you you, you do the you do the one. So that you can, and and the practice has to be correct, you know, and then once so your your photo has to be correct. But then it's just like your imagination is the only thing limiting you. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just like, exactly. I this I is just, like that's what I want. Yeah, the, the things I think the misconception very often is you know often when I you know I'm I'm quite often part of these sort of discussions. You know, is it better to get it right in camera or? You know, or edit or whatever. But well, the, the, the camera has to get it right. But yeah, and you have to get it right for the edit. That's that's how I always explain. Like when I yes. when I do anything, like say for instance, you know, when I shoot like the three ads in a row or something, you know, when you look at the the raw image, of course everything is there. The lighting is there, and you know, the the pose is there, and and the interaction is there, and all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of stuff, a lot of magic that that basically uh, happens in in the edit. But I shoot it for the edit. So I shoot it in the way that I know uh, that I need to shoot it in order for it to work in the edit. So stage one is only the beginning and I need to I need to get things absolutely right in camera for me so so that I know that the edit is going to work on it. You know, so that's that's so the thing. yes. Oh that's what I'm saying. So the practice has to be perfect. Because, you know, wrong practice we all know that line. You know, you practice it wrong, you're gonna play it wrong. So so if you get, you know, practice perfect makes perfect. Not practice, but that's the whole other thing. But the um, so you, you get it has to be right in the camera. You cannot fix a bad picture, but you get a good picture. Your imagination is the only thing out there that's eliminating you. And now, like we'll, we'll just we'll just get to um, the Norway thing real quick, um, because you gotta go. The um, like the um. Remember your the phone? Oh yeah, and 
I mean, it's just, it's another tool now. And then it has the, the Bluetooth, you know, flash that, that I took oh, yeah. some wonderful pictures with. You know, it's just, but that's, that's gets you to the spot. So now I can do the Photoshop stuff I want to, you know, and I, I have some shots inside the cabin that were done with just the phone and the flash that triggered with it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, just, just, just to get some context so technology. to that. One of the things that we had with us, um, one of the many lights and um, modifiers and stuff that we had with us was a pro photo. I think it's a B1. Was it B1? Or A1? A, I can't, A2. Can't A2. That's it. Yeah. Uh, pro photo A2, which essentially works. It's, it's a brilliant, uh, brilliant little flash, um, but it also, you can trigger it with your smartphone. So it works with a pro photo app on your iPhone or Android device and you can trigger it. So basically you can now shoot off camera flash with your phone. And of course that is with your phone. Exactly. That's that's a far, you know, that's a game changer because it because it really means that you can create some really amazing photography, you know, just, and just you with I, your iPhone. You and I we we talked about that because picture because and I'm thinking about my low key stuff. Everybody's used to being in front of cameras, right? They're not going to get nervous. What's the difference between that and pulling out a camera? You know, they're going to get nervous with this. And then this, they're going to act just like themselves. You know, so I'm, plus it's so, so easy. But that's why I, I talk about, you know, this generation the technology, it's the same thing with the music. The technology is, is, you know, five years ago, who would have ever dreamt something like that could happen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. The the thing that I always think is, um, you know, the technology gets better and easier, you know, and, and everything else. Um, the one thing that doesn't change is the interaction. You know, I talk a lot about interacting with your subject, for example, because in a lot of the stuff that I do, you know, um, it's all about the interaction. You know, whether that's you know whether that's some of the shots we did um, with with our biking models, or whether it's you know headshots, for example, it's all about interacting with your subject, or whether it's three heads in a row, where it's it's all about the interaction. You know, that whole thing wouldn't work at all. And, and you know, and drawing these extreme um, expressions out of somebody, it just requires a lot of interhuman sort of interaction. And that's the thing that's that's really the skill. Like I always say, this like the, you know shooting the three heads in a row, uh, you know portraits. I mean, once you've once you figured out how to light it and what your camera settings are, it's not really that difficult. I mean, you just you just press the button, you know. But it's knowing how to get your how to get your subject into that position, into that pose that you want them to be in, and and how to get them to give you those extreme expressions. That's that's the real skill, you know. And which is what I do with my animals. You yes, know, they need exactly. to be giving me an expression without interaction. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but in your case, you know, it's it's all about really the skill is 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 really in the setup, it's in the you know, it's in the initial in the inception of the idea, and then the sheer tenacity of and patience that's required to actually that's where the skill is. The that that really is where the skill is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, that's you know, to me that's always been I've always been fascinated by that because because for me personally, um I'm not very much of a I don't very much of a landscape photographer because I always say, like, I just can't see myself getting out of bed at four o'clock in the morning and then sitting in a field staring at a tree waiting for the sun to to, to come up. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm fascinated by people that can do that, 
Um, I maybe maybe at some point I'll be able to do that, but I'm like you know, I that's why I love portrait photography in a sense because I can get I can get a reaction out of somebody super quick and then I can move on. Fast, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the thing that's that's really fascinating. It's your photography, your animals and then instrument uh, photography is, is really is mind boggling because of these. It's hilarious as well. Thank it's you. got this. It's got this humor. This humorous thing to it but you look at it and you go like this is really funny look at that squirrel <laughs> playing a trumpet or something you know yeah um and i always i love that in photography is when you know when when you can combine it, it like the visual with the the sort of emotional reaction you know where you yeah where you where you sort of um where you create you know a, an emotional reaction to your to your picture and that could be anything. It could be anything from like sadness to, to just thinking, "Wow, this is really this is really funny." Now, I, I like looking at funny pictures. You know, that's yeah. that's my bag. Well, I like I like I like things that make you feel good and smile. You know, and I hear all the time, "Oh, it makes me smile." Well, then I then I I succeeded. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's it. For that picture, you know, for those. Now the Norway, I'm. You've probably picked up. I'm maybe going a little more dramatic and <laughs> maybe not quite so smiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that but was that Viking. was beautiful. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and why not? And why not? I, it was uh, that was a uh, that was hilarious. And also, yeah, for our listeners and viewers, just to give you some context there, um, you know, we all obviously we all did our portrait photography with our models on location. Paul was known for wanting to to create these macabre death scenes. <laughs> How could I get him to murder her? <laughs> that was the knife. I have, oh, man, I have her stabbing him, him stabbing her, her pushing yeah, yeah. him off a cliff. Yeah, but it was, it's just it was like, so much fun. I mean, you got the, you got, you got these gothic Viking models. I had no desire to make them all pretty. I either, I either want, I either want like witchery kind of stuff. Or doom and gloom, but you know the beauty. The beautiful <laughs> thing about that is, it's it's just this. That's a creative freedom to really create whatever you want to create. You know, that's the that's the beauty of it, because you know you can. And if if you look at the pictures, well, say if you look at the pictures I took, for example, and Bob took the exact same exact same pictures, completely different looks because of that. You, 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 that's what I'm saying. If you get the good foundation picture for your launching pad, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because that, that's that's the thing, you know. And of course, we did we did like a, we did a uh, an on location um, lighting masterclass to start with as well, just to give people the tools. Yeah. Because then, what you know, once you figured out how to light something, then then you can really just let your creativity run riot and just do whatever whatever yeah. it is that you want to do. And then, of course, the the op- I mean, the the opposite in a sense is also true. You know, sometimes you can you come up with an idea. Like there were so many times where we looked at a, we'd arrive at a, at a location, and we'd look at the location and immediately go, "Ah, yeah, I can see." But well, what if we did that? And then, of course, you then automatically already think like, "Okay, how am I going to light that in this particular, you know, in this particular situation?" So so that we conjure up this particular sentiment in this particular image. Um, and that was that was really the fun part. You know, the fun part that first of all. You know, we had a whole team because it was all of us 
doing everything. Like sometimes, sometimes oh, God, you're shooting, yeah. sometimes you'd be holding a light, you know. Sometimes you're um, holding the light and, yeah. And, and what's just the difference that there's one location and we're all shooting and we all have a different image in mind. And that's, that's what really intrigued me. It's just like, wow. And then the, the two models, like I said, I can't speak highly enough of them. They, they totally killed it. And it was freezing, you know. And as you know, there's behind the scenes shots where they got the big blankets over them, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to keep warm. You know, yeah. it's what, like 40 degrees, well, Fahrenheit. And, you know, it's windy. We're on, you know, the Arctic Sea with the waves splashing, that kind of stuff. And they're out there with not much clothes. We're bundled up freezing, you know? And then one would shoot. As soon as they get off, here's a blanket, put it around you, go sit in the car. We'll call you when we want you to freeze again. But not once, not once. You mean at all this point, not once did they complain. They were, like I said, toy, and they were even um, the Milky Way shots at night. I mean, the Northern Lights at night. I mean, they're there. They're coming dressed up there. They're there in the morning and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it was it was a once in a lifetime, you know, workshop. Like you know, said many many times, right place, right time. Yeah, and <laughs> Dave, man, we got to go. We got to go. All right, now now it's a half hour away. It's a you know, and he has all the apps, and I got to talk. And Dave also wrote, you know the best-selling book about shooting Northern Lights. Um, and I got to talk to him about the apps because I want to look at Northern Lights around here or something like that and figure out where, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's just like... Yeah, that was... Um, and I think I think I, um, I, I talked to Rule about this um, in last week's uh, podcast episode as well. It was, you know, it's just incredible how many data points um, there are, you know, and how many... How many different things you have to consider? I mean, it was it was just uh, you know because Dave was that he wasn't just looking at one app; he was looking at ten different apps and like he had different several weather different stations. Laps. You know, and, and um, the, it was weather, just the weather stations, but not just that the electrons and protons, and and how high they are, and then they were accurate enough where they're saying, okay, two hours, you know, this is going to be a forty or something like that. It's an hour and a half away. We got to go. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, we, had, we had that on so many different occasions where it was like, okay, right, we're going for dinner, and then literally it was like, okay, guys, we have to move out. You know, get your get your coats, yeah, this, get your coffee. This, this is you know. him. This is him during dinner. And am I lying? It's, he's every time he's eating, he's looking at those apps, figuring out where if it's going to happen, if it's not going to happen, where we got to go, and then we'd be at one location. And then, all right, we got to hurry up and get to this location because this location's going to have it now in a half hour, you know? And it's the, it's the sky, it's the wind, it's the temperature, it's the dew point, it's the protons, yeah, the holes electrons. In the holes the, in the clouds, you know, that's, that's the other thing. Oh, God, yeah. And the how, accuracy you know, was pretty really bubbling. The, the how high the clouds were. You know, the clouds are too low. These clouds are higher. Yeah, you guys, you guys killed it. And I seriously, I want to go up there um, maybe next winter. Oh, uh, go there in the winter because I want to, sh I want to shoot some snow stuff. 
you know, because I, I saw in the fall, which was so lush, it was gorgeous, but now I want to see it with with the snow. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be incredible, no doubt. Uh, Paul, yeah. where can people find your uh, photography on the web? Um, PaulCooperPhoto.com. And then um, I should have looked this up, what my Facebook and Instagram is. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, I, have, you... I have it bookmarked. <laughs> uh, Brent, um, obviously all the, um, all the links are going to be in the description um, of the of the podcast episode and of course if you're watching on YouTube you'll find all of those uh, all those details um, yeah. in the video description They're as well. They're all Paul Kober something. I think yeah. like Facebook may be Paul Kober underscore 52 for some reason it's the one I got so I don't <laughs> I don't know. Awesome. So we'll, yeah so if you're watching on YouTube um, I'll, I'll put them I'll put all the links uh, at the bottom of the screen and of course you'll find them in the description as well. Paul it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the uh, on the Camera Tech Podcast I'm sure. Thank you. It was, it I'm, was sure I'm sure you'll be back um, at some point. Definitely, and that was so much fun. Thank you so much. Um, and again, you know, if you are uh, if you are interested in Paul's photography, um, especially you know animals with instruments, which totally blew my mind, uh, then you know make sure you, you gotta check, check out his it website. out. I, it is a once in a lifetime experience. And again, I'll, I'll just plug it one more time. You know, there's going to be another uh, workshop happening at the end of January, 25th of January to the 1st of February. Um, all you have to do is go over to idavewilliams.com forward slash training. And if you are so inclined and you sign up, you will get a full year's subscription to Adobe's Creative Cloud thrown in. And that is worth over 700 bucks. That's going to be worth it. So you can save yourself yeah. a ton of money there at the same time. But anyway. And so let, me say, let me say this. It's not nearly as hard to get there as you think. Yes. It was actually... I'm, I was like, oh, it's going to be so hard. It was not hard at all. Everybody thinks it's so far. It's it's not that it's not that hard to get to. Yeah, it's surprising. It's surprising, actually. Um, the infrastructure today is, is surprisingly good. Okay, folks, that's all for today. Some incredibly creative photography from Paul Colbert today. But before we go, let me just recommend another episode that I think you'll love. Check out episode 171 with Dave Williams where we discuss wildlife photography in the Arctic. I'm sure you love it. If you enjoy our content, consider supporting us on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Kerashake to help us continue creating and bringing you more exciting episodes. It really does mean the world to us. And for those of you who are listening to the audio version of this podcast, I'm going to have to cut this. Sometimes the, uh, the teleprompter sticks. Yes. And for those of you who are listening to the audio version of this podcast, did you know that there's a fully fledged video version over on YouTube with plenty of examples of oh, our sorry, guest photography in full Technicolor? All you have to do is go over to YouTube, search for Camera Shake Podcast, and you'll be able to watch all past episodes on there. And if you are on YouTube already, well, get in touch and leave a comment and remember to hit the like button, ring the bell and share with your friends. You can help us reach a greater audience all over the world. Once again, thank you for listening, watching, and I'll see you next Thursday. Bye.